We are the Wanderers of Western Sydney. Hello, I'm Tim Gilbert, a Western Suburbs boy from Guildford and a proud fan. Welcome to our podcast. This is the place to come to hear all the stories from our wonderful football club. Players, coaches, managers, fans. Our featured Wanderers will come in all shapes and sizes and diverse backgrounds. We are a strong club that is on the move and our people have rich and gripping stories to tell. Welcome. Great to have you along for the ride. And joining us today is a player from our women's squad that was told by medical staff she may never play again. But Georgia Yeomandale defied the odds and got back to doing what she loves, playing football. We are the Wanderers of Western Sydney and it's a delight to have Georgia Yeomandale on the line today. How are you, Georgia? Yeah, good, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute treat and, and pleasure. Look, let's we're going to graze away at a number of topics and obviously uh, the most recent one has been the injury, but you're, you're back, uh, back training. Where are you at right at the moment? Yeah, so I'm, I'm back fully, so in season at the moment with RPR in the New South Wales MPL, so playing full games now and not having any is- any issues with my body, touch wood, but yeah, feeling really good, feeling fully fit now. And obviously signed with the Wanderers, so we're, we're, the next step is to find out when the season will start and then the steps will take place after that. But for those that don't know, give us a little bit of insight into this, the injury. Yeah, so season before last, playing for the Wanderers, and it was only, I think, well, three games out from the end of the season, and, and for about two two or three weeks leading into it, I'd had um just pain with my ankle, so I'd wake up in the morning and my ankle was really stiff, and I've had ankle injuries before, you know, acute contact injuries, but this was more of a, a dull ache that I'd never had before. And it kind of progressively got worse through training and through games and that kind of thing. And after a couple of weeks, we decided to get a scan and I actually had, they call it a bone lesion, but it's very mm. similar to like a stress fracture in my, in the main bone, uh, sorry, on the main bone in my ankle. And yeah, so this kind of ruled me out straight away. And it was, you know, you treat it like a stress fracture straight into a boot six weeks and and we'll see how we go from there. But it it ended up just being a very long injury. So I ended up out for a total of 18 months before I was back playing. And it was just because of where the, the site of the injury, it wasn't healing and I was constantly putting load through that same spot and there was actually times where throughout the the rehab the sports doc was like I'm not sure if you'll get back like I don't think you're going to be able to play back at a professional level and you might get back to park football but that's about it so it was a mentally and physically trying time for me and I'm just really happy to to be back training fully and, and back to full fitness now but it was a tough 18 months that's for sure. I could imagine, uh, and it's enough without even getting the medical advice to say that this may be the end. Just the length of time would be enough to break the spirit of many people. Yeah, definitely, and it was. I think it's also the ups and downs of it. So initially, with the and I guess you know the timing of it wasn't great because I just um, sort of got the call back into the national team and had the World Cup coming up in six months and was told at that time that I wouldn't get back in time. So that was an, another tough one to take. But the hardest thing for me was the like not knowing. So initially it was like, we'll see if you can get out of the boot in, in six to eight weeks. And 
and that didn't happen. And then we set another target and couldn't quite get there. So there was no, like the light at the end of the tunnel was very blurry. You, you didn't know, I didn't know where my target was and, and when I would be able to get back. And I think that that was probably the hardest thing for me mentally was not being able to say I'll be back next season because I just I had no idea how long it would actually take to recover. And you don't get to play for your country without having a positive attitude, but it's always a difficult one when you're getting medical advice and we place a lot of faith in medical advice and the work that is done by medical practitioners is absolutely extraordinary, but it's not always 100% correct. So sometimes you need to yourself, particularly in sport, take that leap of faith to say, nothing's going to stop me right now. I reckon I can get through this. Yeah, so I guess... um you know, being an athlete, you, you've got to take advice from, from medical staff. That's what they're there to do. They're um, very experienced and they understand a lot about, you know, common issues and injuries. But for me on this one, it, I, I took the advice of all the medical staff, but the, the difference in my rehab was me being un, able to understand my body. I guess with the injury, it's it's quite hidden. It's hard to judge off scans on the progress of it when it's this type of bony injury. So the only way for me to actually to get back and, and to know how far I could go was to really understand my body and be able to read what I could and couldn't do on that ankle. And uh, to get back, goodness gracious me, it must have been so satisfying when you first kicked a soccer ball? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite a strange feeling, actually, and it was, I alluded to before, like, you know, the injury, getting back from the injury, there was so many ups and downs, and, and it actually came at a time where I, I had for, uh, would have been nearly 12 months, I was so structured in my whole rehab program. I was doing certain things at the gym and, and had everything outlined and it didn't work and I had another setback and that's when I just almost threw my hands up in the air and said, well, it's not working this way, let's just take a step back and I just went back to basics and, you know, I, I got to a point where I was like, no, I feel good, let's go down to training and it was it was definitely a weird feeling turning up. It was kind of like first day of school feeling but such a relief to get through, you know, the first session and then, it was actually then a matter of making sure I had someone to hold me back because once you get a little sniff, you, you feel like you can just go and it's so important to ease your body back in and definitely something I didn't want to do after 18 months out but had the right people in place to to make sure um, they held me back a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And you kept yourself busy, didn't you? You didn't let the grass grow under your feet because... Did TV work? Tell, tell us about what else you did. Yeah, so I do like to keep myself very busy outside of football. Um, you know, for me, it's really important to keep my my uh, brain going in, in different aspects so that I'm not overthinking. But during the injury, you know, I think that there's silver lining to a lot of things. And um, when I was ruled out from any chance of actually, you know, going to the World Cup or getting into the squad. I did get a call from Optus Sport who had just got the go-ahead to do the full coverage of the Women's World Cup and they asked me to be a part of their um, broadcast team, which was really exciting for me. Um, I had done a little bit of broadcast work with Fox through the through the W League, but it was a, you know, a big stint doing the, the World Cup. I think we ended up, I would have been doing a game sort of 
every second night. So a lot of game coverage and doing, um, so it was panel work, like pre-game, half-time, post-game wrap, just doing analysis on the game and, and chatting through that. And it was just a really exciting, like it was fun and it was good to stay involved with the game through the TV side of things and actually be able to sort of develop in that area as well. It was a, it was a whole lot of fun that that was and a lot of late nights and early mornings. Yeah, you're talking to, you're talking to someone who's been there before through Ashes series and other sorts of things, but it is very exciting. But from your perspective, uh, it was very different to any of the broadcasts I've done of international sporting events because I could never really aspire to be in that position. I suppose in your position, there was always that moment in your head saying, gosh, I'd like to be there. Yeah, of course. Of course there is. And, and that, yeah, that comes with being an athlete and aspiring to be, to be there. You know, if you don't dream it, then, then it's never going to happen. But I think that I was able to actually get myself in a really good uh, frame of mind to, to be just supportive of the girls over there and, and excited in the whole progress of women's football. It was the first time that we had actually seen a full World Cup broadcast in Australia. So to be able to actually see, you know, all these other countries from around the world and all of their games throughout the World Cup, that was just a a big moment for women's football and for women's sport in Australia. And I guess at the time that that was my excitement was to be able to be a part of that growth and that sort of overtook the the disappointment of not being able to be there as a player. You've got an extraordinary target now, don't you? 2023, you're still only young. Uh, I, I know it's day by day. And when you've been through what you've been through, you don't want to get the cart before the horse. But it's it's a real shiny ball, isn't it, when you think the Women's World Cup is going to be here in Australia and New Zealand in 2023. Yeah, of course. Of course, you know, when that announcement was made, it, I, I'm sure a lot of girls around Australia, their eyes would have lit up and um, and the dreams begin there to be able to play a World Cup on home soil. But you're right, like, it's hard for me at the moment to be trying to think too far ahead. I'm trying really hard to just take it one step at a time and getting back to playing full games in the New South Wales MPL was you know, step one, and I've ticked that one off. And the next one is to get back into the W League because then you're playing games at a higher intensity. And if I can get through through that loading, because it is an it, like my injury is an ongoing ish, issue for me, um, and it, it's seeing how much load it can take. So each level builds that up. But 2023 on on home soil, that's definitely um, always in the in the back of your mind as you're training, as you're pushing your body, and you know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens from here, but one step at a time, I think. Yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely. Inch by inch is a cinch, mile by mile is a trial, they say. But it's exciting. Yeah. It's wonderful to have you as, as a part of the Wanderers. And, you, you, you know, this team now, having finished fourth, having improved to the point it had improved with Dean and Michael and Kathy, like just a really good group and it's a team on the rise yeah definitely definitely I mean I, I don't like to look back on the, on this last season I have with them because it was um, very disappointing for, for us as a squad to sort of perform as poorly as we had but the way that the club and the group of girls that remained turned it around last year 
uh, was amazing to watch. And, and being part of the, the Fox broadcast team on the last W League, it was just they were the team that was really exciting to watch. Um, you could tell that they were they were fit. You could tell that they were playing a system that they really knew what was going on and it, and it worked for them. So it was exciting to be able to watch the Wanderers grow into a sort of a a team that was, you know, challenging and, and all but a couple of injuries and, and losing a couple of players. I think that they would have pushed a lot further, made the grand final and really contended for that championship. So now to be able to sign and be be a part of that next season, I'm, you know, so excited and can't wait to see what we can do. The facilities are amazing, aren't they? They're, they're absolutely world class and, and unrivaled in this country, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've I've been out there before and sort of had a walk through the gym and the and the training centre and it's I've it's you know, something that I haven't seen before on in Australia and something that I haven't had the chance to um, be exposed to. So it's exciting to think about, you know, the next the next chapter being able to train in those facilities and and have all of those uh things systems in place for you because that's the final five percent in professional sport is you know what wins wins championships and and that plays a big part of it it's the and that comes from the support of the the club and showing that the women's team is as important as the men's team and should be treated as fully professional so have exposure to that training environment and then you know home games at Bankwest Stadium it's all the ducks are in a row to to give the teams and the the club the best opportunity to be as successful as they can. Does it make every box you tick now even more enjoyable more satisfying having been to the edge so to speak and having looked at a possible life without the game of football? Yeah I guess it you know, it makes it it makes everything mean that much more. You can really take for granted, you know, what you're able to do before you actually have a major injury and, and following that injury, everything that then you can achieve, you, you sort of take a minute and you sit back and, and think about where you've come from and um the fact that, you know, this may not have, have happened if it hadn't have been for the work that you put in and the, the support that you've had around you. So I definitely think that everything that I'm achieving now, like I'll never take that for granted again. It's a it's a big lesson that you learn with big injuries is you never know when, when it's going to be the last time that you play. So you got to go out there every time, every training session like it is the last time. And just I think that the one thing that's really changed in me is just making sure I enjoy every minute of it because you can get caught up in thinking too far ahead and, and getting frustrated or not enjoying each moment. And I think that that is the most important thing, because as I said, you, you never know when it's going to be the last time that you're out there. And winding the clock back, if we get a little nostalgic, you got that first yep. Matilda's jersey pretty young, didn't you? Like, what was that like? What was that like to pull that jersey on, hear the national anthem, be around the Australian team, live that childhood dream that no doubt you had in your mind when you had those early days in Canberra? Yeah, it was, it's actually, um, it's a, it's an interesting one to think back to because I guess if I was to, to think of a word, it would just be surreal. At the time it was, you're right, I was really young and if I was to reflect on it, I, I probably wasn't ready at the time. An interesting 
thing to try and reflect on and get your head around. It it hadn't really been close enough to me to be able to be a dream before it actually arrived. When I finally did get the call up and, and I was out there, you kind of almost feel a little bit starstruck. You feel like you're a bit of a fraud and you shouldn't be there. And that was just purely based on the cycle of where the Matildas were at at the time. They were bringing a lot of young players. I think there was eight of us or something that made our debut in that one game. I hadn't at that time had the chance of having to fight for it. It was only then after getting that call up, playing two games and not then getting back in for another few years after that, I'd almost feel like the next time when I came in and I and I got to I got my third cap that almost felt like my debut because that was the one that I had worked so hard to get back into that squad and I feel like for me the big moments and the ones that mean the most are the ones that I've really had to work for because you know that you you're being rewarded for hard work rather than just you know getting given a chance but you know you take your debut when you get it. And obviously it was such a big honour to play for my country at a young age and, and being able to make my debut on, on home soil and have my family there to watch me. Mm, amazing. But it is, yeah, it's those ones that you that you really work for that mean the most. Yeah, so wonderfully said. And, like, and to put the context in and around those different markers through your international life as a, as a football slash soccer player, I always like to say that because everyone – wants to use different terminologies. I always said it when I was on a, a Channel 9 basis. as well. Football soccer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, be all things to all people. But uh, look, yeah. what about what about growing up? What about Where did that love for this beautiful game start to grow in you? Um, you know, born and raised in the nation's capital. Tell us a bit more of that. Yeah, so I, I actually started playing football quite um, quite late. I didn't start until I was 10 or 11. Before that, I just did athletics and a lot of running and joined football just as a sort of social thing to, to get into a team sport. And I guess I, I enjoyed it because I was, you know, good at it. I was, I was that player that they would throw up, up front and just, you know, kick it through and, and make Georgia run was always sort of yeah, the, the game, the athlete game mm. plan at the time. And I guess, you know, as a kid, you, you love sport when you're good at it. So, that definitely helped grow that passion and then going through and, and you start being identified for different representative teams and the, that kind of thing. And that's when you start to get stretched and your love for the game is then questioned when you when you're challenged. And I guess I was always a person from a young age that did love a challenge while being rewarded by making different teams, you know, knowing and and seeing the work that I had to do to get to where I was, you know, the best player on the field or I'm very competitive. So it was always a a love for a challenge and also, you know, the love for winning that helped grow the love for football inside of me. And and I guess, uh, yeah, just the slow progression through different levels. And then it's, it's now at the stage now where I love the sport and I appreciate the game and, and the art of the game. And, and, and that's what's helped me sort of hold on and, and force me to keep going is, is that it was sort of a, a slow burning love for the game rather than falling in love at the first minute. Well, it's been a, a true delight to have a chat today and thanks so much for being 
the Wanderer that we've uh, spoken to today and all the very best with this next chapter. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. For more information on the club, visit wswanderersfc.com.au. We will be back soon with another story from one of our Wanderers of Western Sydney.